Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. <laughs> Drop the subject with Allie, and it's Friday, which means Dr. Jen is back in studio. Welcome back, Dr. Jen. Oh, thrilled to be here. Happy to have you, as always, and I see you've got a book in your hand ready to give away. Oh, yeah. I'm giving away the Relationship Fix, Dr. Jen's 12-step guide to improving communication, connection, and intimacy. Hey, we know that you love free stuff, so and free advice to go along with it. So we are here till 2 p.m. Pacific time. You can call us, 833-77-CALL-Q. There is no topic that is off the table. The juicier, the better. The juicier, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you you don't have to, like, make up something crazy and juicy, but just know there's nothing I haven't heard. There's nothing that's too racy. I mean, obviously, we're on public radio, so we got to watch our swear words and descriptions. That's what our producer's for. He'll dump. He'll he'll press that dump button. Exactly. He gets held accountable, not us. Uh, we can talk relationships. We can talk sex. Everybody always loves some good sex talk. I, I mean, mean, come yeah. on. Especially you know? at like noon on a Friday. You know, going <laughs> into the weekend, I think it's good, a little sex talk, yeah. but it doesn't have to be. It mm. could be parenting, could be relationships, it could be anxiety, depression, it could be your feelings about coronavirus, how it's affecting your relationship, <laughs> as we were talking you about know, earlier. I mean, it yeah. does. Well, how you handle those types of things definitely can be different depending on, you, you know, your own story and who you're dating. And I uh, like... I mean, you think about things that are trending in the news right now, like coronavirus and the election and all of this stuff does put a lot of pressure on you and your relationship. And there's a lot of anxiety that comes with it. And I was thinking about, you know, because we had Super Tuesday this past week. We've had it since I talked to you last. And I was thinking a lot this week about, I mean, it's not like my wife and I have a really fight about politics, but how politics has completely polarized this country yep and how it must affect not only your romantic relationships but the relationships that you have with your friends and your family i mean i was at a party last weekend and talked about politics and i don't think 5 years ago or even 8 years ago or something like that i would have expected to talk about politics at a party but it comes up <clears throat> constantly and have you seen a big change in in your office and in your practice? Without a doubt. So since Trump got elected? Since Trump got elected, I have seen more relationships break up over politics. I've seen more families being torn apart. I have seen more dates being cut short. (laughs) More details coming. So (laughs) so when you realize. Yeah. I've had clients who, especially, and I've heard this more from Republican clients, um, and not even necessarily Trump supporters. Some are, some aren't. Like it, it varies. But where they're on a date with someone, and the date finds out that they're a Republican, and literally they're like, "We're done. <gasps> date is over." Like that's the bottom goodbye. line. That's yeah. one of the deal breakers. Oh yeah, that's a new deal breaker. For it, it, it's a new deal breaker. I have a number of. Um, Adult kids. Sorry, I keep hitting the mic. Uh, I have a number of. Are you I, drunk, Doctor Jill? No, I'm just animated. I'm a hand talker, yeah. and, and and this is really it's such a hot topic. I've had a lot of adult children who are no longer speaking with family members because they're so diametrically opposed. 
view-wise. So then what do you do with that? With yeah. with How do you know when to create those boundaries and walk away from a relationship just based on something like politics? Well, I think that there are, you have to sort of judge different people by slightly different standards and make different boundaries. In other words, if it's your mother, your father, who has not been abusive, who's been a good, loving parent, and you just don't see eye to eye, I think that's someone you make boundaries with, where you say, look, we don't agree with this. It upsets me that you feel this way. It upsets you that I feel this way. I think it's better we just don't talk about this. I don't think it helps our relationship in any way. If at some point one of us is open to changing our views, we know who to go to to have that discussion, but I think that it's better for our relationship we don't. But then if you are someone who is new on the dating scene looking for a partner, you do want to kind of look for people who are philosophically on a similar page. I don't think that you have to have voted for the same people. I don't think that you have to be 100% the same. Like, I think it's actually can be good to have a partner that says like, hey, these are my views and presents things to you that you may never have thought of in different ways, as long as it's a respectful dialogue. Well, I mean, when it comes to, say, the holidays and you're with your family and you know, for example, that one person is very different than you as far as political views go, and you've decided in your mind you're not going to bring it up. And then all of a sudden it comes up Mm -hmm. and you don't really you didn't really expect it, but all of a sudden it's out on the table. I mean, what do you tell people to just diffuse that situation? Because you want to keep grandma happy or whatever. You don't want to stop coming to Christmas dinner. But then, you know, this guy or whoever start keeps bringing up, you know, build the wall and, you know, it it triggers you. I, I think that you first of all, I think you bring up a great point. It triggers you. The key is knowing your triggers. And that when we get triggered, we go into kind of an altered state oftentimes. I call it part X. When we get triggered and we go into that primitive part of our brain where we're not thinking about the implications of what we're talking about, we just want to kind of annihilate our opponent. And our opponent could be our mother, our father, our brother, our, our best friend, you know, our cousin, our boyfriend, girlfriend. And it's really important to recognize when you're triggered. Stop and take some deep breaths. And I do think that it's important to pull yourself out of the conversation. If it's a group conversation that you feel like you can't break up, then leave the room. Hey, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go look at the flowers in the backyard. I think getting yourself out of this situation. And if you can stop it and say, hey, guys, I think that this is getting really heated. I really want to have a light, fun, you know, Thanksgiving, Easter, whatever dinner. Let's let's change the subject. I think most people in this day and age are wise enough to be able to go like, you know what? You're probably right. Let's let's move on. Right. And it's seeped into every aspect of our lives at this point anyway. Can we just not do it over dinner? Exactly. Man, well, I bet there's going to be more Republican dating apps in the near future. I I think it's a brilliant business opportunity for someone. All right. Well, then let's make it, Dr. Jen. We're we're taking your calls, 833-77-CALL-Q. And we're going to talk about Dr. Jen's latest InStyle.com article next. Some of the signs that you're ready to move in together. They might not be what you think. We'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. All right. Drop the subject with Allie Johnson and Dr. Jen Mann. You can follow her at... Dr. Jen Mann. Two ends on Jen. Two ends on man. Two ends on man. And uh, we're taking your calls all show long, 833-77-CALL-Q for free advice. And we've got Sean from L.A. on the line. What's up, Sean? Oh, not much. How's everything going with you guys? Great show. Thank you. Great to hear from you. Yeah, what's going on? 
Okay. Well, I'm going to make this long story short. Um, thing is, is that I'm actually, uh, I came out, I mean, I had a great relationship with my mom. Uh, her and I were always been best friends. But then ever since I came out to her in 96, I was 19 at the time, um, she was a Democrat. But then she converted to Republican um, all this time until she decided to go for Trump, and she's now a Trump supporter. So ever since then, her and I have been having some troubles in our relationship because of the, uh, the political difference. See, I'm a Democrat, mm-hmm. and she's a Republican. And so the thing is, I did the best I can to keep the common grounds as much as possible. I mean, try to keep things in common as much as possible. But sometimes I get, uh, you know, like any of my friends, sometimes I would get her to start immersing her point of views onto mine as if I can able to relate. And it just doesn't work when it comes to politics. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. are her, what's her stance on gay rights? Well, she said she doesn't mind gay rights, but hoping that when hoping one day that um, I'll be cured out of this. And oh, I it, yeah. oh, even though she gets around, and I still don't. Even though she thinks she's just kidding about it, I take it very literally. And of course, that to me, that to me, I just don't find a reasonable. I mean, it's gone to the point where I'm actually planning to relocate because of the whole matter. Sure, I can and understand so, that. And, yeah. and, and to, to me, what this really highlights is that on a core level, your mom doesn't get who you are and that being gay is not a choice. That's how you were born. And by the way, side note, you were born of her DNA. Right. Like, you know, like th- this you is... can't be cured from your own DNA. Exactly. And so... Um, to me, that maybe she was a Democrat before and is a Republican now, her beliefs and her values at the core are not aligned with yours. And perhaps in the past, you guys were able to find common ground that might might have been more superficial, that might have been sort of, you know, movies or, you know, favorite foods or favorite shows or that kind of stuff. But I think that it was a mask that hid the deeper level issues where you guys don't see eye to eye. It sounds like your mom is someone who you love, who you have had this historical bond with, that is not someone to completely cut out of your life, but is someone to have very limited, kind of emotionally vulnerable contact with, that that she is someone who doesn't really get it, who is not educated or aware of how sexual orientation works that she just she just doesn't get it and it's unfortunate that her ignorance is is such a blight on your relationship but how could it not be i could understand where you're coming from and it's also deeply disappointing and one of the things you have to do is mourn the loss of the mom you thought that you had right and to face the mom that you do have and to really look at it and say, okay, what are her strengths and what are her weaknesses? What does she bring to the table that is valuable to me? And I would even make an actual physical list, write it down on a piece of paper and pen or you know, in your notes section of, of your phone and really look at what does she have to offer and, and what are the things that we are so opposed that it's painful in order for you to Avoid those things because that's part of self-care. 
making sure that if you're going to have a relation with with someone who you know has the potential to hurt you because you see things so differently, to make sure that you set really good boundaries in those categories and really try to focus on the categories where there is connection, where there is a bond, where there is love, where there is mutual respect. And, and that's really what I recommend for you and your mom. Wow. Yeah, that, okay, thank you. that's fascinating because what you know what we were just talking about where if you if if maybe you have different views on politics you know maybe just we'll have a conversation and say well let's not bring up politics but when a person doesn't support your own identity that's when it has such a personal effect on you and the way that you live your life and your very identity that it can be a make or break where you're like yeah. i don't know how much to have this person in your life we've had um you know issues with my in-laws being accepting and it's been an ongoing conversation because on one hand I only want to be surrounded by people who support me and support my relationship but on the other hand you don't want to cut people out of your life that mean a lot to you and that you love under those uh, you know unconditionally regardless of that that's exactly the struggle that that I think Sean is dealing with and I think so many people are dealing with and I think that the politics of today have just highlighted that and brought those differences in front of us in a way that I think is enlightening, but I also think is important and necessary because it's important to know who we're with and not have blinders on. No, you're you're so right because, and I love the point you made about how there wa- there was something already underlying, and yeah. and with the current political climate, you're basically just kicking up a bunch of dirt that was already on the ground. Yep. Huh. Interesting. Well, keep the calls coming. Thank you so much, Sean. Thanks, Eight, Sean. Yeah. Thank you. Eight three three seven seven. Call Q. We are here until two p.m. Pacific time. We're here live on we are on channel Q. So eight three three seven seven call Q and we're, we'll chat. We'll, we'll finally get to uh, Dr. Jen's in style article on when it's when is a good time to move in together. Um, so we'll be right back here on Drop the Subject. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Okay, drop the subject with Allie and Dr. Jen Man, author of the Relationship Fix and many other books. And, uh, I've, and I've got one to give away. You do have one to give away. I do. There's there's one left. <laughs> now. <laughs> You got to order more, you know, because you're going to come they back. Keep, you they, know this. They keep selling out, but yes, I or, I actually <laughs> what a call horrible my problem. To yes, have. it is. It's a terrible problem as an author. <laughs> oh, they keep selling out, <sighs> but yeah, no, I, I I reached out to my publisher the other day. Oh, say, perfect. Like, I need a case because I've got some giveaways to do on the radio. I know we got to get through more chapters of it too. My wife yeah. and I, we we've, we've we've like got a backlog of all this stuff that we've. But have do. you started the sexual inventory? Is the question? No. I have I talked to you about the sexual inventory? No. What's the sexual okay. inventory? Here's the sexual inventory. The sexual inventory is a list of questions that I recommend that all couples ask each other, that they take turns. One person interviews the other, and then you switch it. Okay. And it asks questions in kind of increasing intimacy and vulnerability oh. about preferences. Because here's what I found. When it comes to sex, long-term couples tend to get complacent. And they tend to go, oh, I know how to take care of you. Sure. And I'm getting the result I want. So I'm just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. The other thing that tends to happen, and so they don't branch out. The other thing that tends to happen is that we tend to go, oh, you know, like we got this down. So I don't need to create new I like new things to do. And also, even more importantly, is 
couples get so far into the relationship that they're afraid to tell each other, hey, you know that thing you've been doing for 10 years? I don't love that. Right. And then to, to so yeah. you don't feel comfortable enough because so much time has passed. Exactly. Or, hey, there's this thing I've always wanted to do. But I was too embarrassed to tell you because in some ways, what I've seen over and over again with long-term couples is it's almost easier to ask a stranger when you're doing a one-night stand, like, hey, could you blindfold me? And put my well, finger clucking over like here. A, yeah, well, clucking like a chicken, <laughs> because that's been my fantasy for a million years. To ask our partner that is so much more vulnerable and so much more scary. So you have to create a list. and But yep. then do you have to... Okay, so but you have to talk about that directly while looking at each other. But you're creating a safe space to do that. Your, yeah, you could look. You could close your eyes. You can have a glass of wine. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you can do it. Yeah, how do you like break you through, through the scary but, barrier? But the the thing that is so effective about the sexual inventory in my book, the relationship fix, is that it forces you to ask the questions and answer the questions that most couples are scared to ask and to answer. I see. Well, because it's one thing, like, if you say to your wife, like, hey, so is there anything that you always wish that I would do for you that I've never done? She's probably, uh, no, 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 it's fine. Like, you know, we're, we're good. But when you're sitting and you're doing this list and you're 20 questions in, and you've already talked about what kind of underwear she likes on you, what oh. kind of makeup she likes well, on you. I like, hope it's granny what, panties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, but... When you once you've gone through kind of the easier stuff, the more difficult questions start to become easier to answer and to ask because you're going further and further into the back of your mind. Exactly, I it kind of warms you up. Yeah, I yeah. see. I guess when you said sexual inventory, I thought it was like ball gag check. Well, uh, some of it is that love like, oil hey, check. Yeah, yeah, some of it is like, hey, would you like to try this? Hey, are you open to trying that? Like, yes or no? And it's easier when someone else has created like me this list of like, hey, would you like to try a ball gag? As opposed to like, hey, honey, would you like to try a ball gag? Like, where's <laughs> oh, this wow. coming from? Look, oh, look yeah. in the drawer. It's a ball gag. Yeah, it, where, where did that come Let's from? Let's just get crazy. Exactly. Well, I know we were supposed to talk about how when to move, when eight signs that you're ready to move in together, but I think we should do that next because I have one more question for you. Okay. When you in your Is it prep, about ball gags? It's, it's, it's ball gag adjacent. Okay, excellent. <laughs> when you are in your practice, do you notice different sexual problems based on homosexual versus heterosexual relationships. Like there's a common stereotype of lesbian bed death where because two women are more like, let's just cuddle and watch, you know, this is us and pet the cat. And then all of a sudden you haven't had sex in three weeks. Do you notice anything like that? I think everybody experienced lesbian death (laughs) (laughs) death. (laughs) And I actually did write a column about it for for in style. But I do think that any long term couple that you see having a great sex life over time takes enormous effort and most people get complacent. It's right, really because you have, you're, everyone's going to have dry spells. But also it, the newness, the endorphins, the life that we live where we have jobs, where we're exhausted, where we have kids, like all that stuff cuts into our sex life, but it takes enormous work to maintain that whether it is two women, a man, a woman, two men, like transgender, whoever you right. are, it takes effort to maintain sexual desire and sexual connection. Hmm. Interesting stuff. 833-77-CALL-Q. If you want to get in on this, 
I'm not the only one who gets free advice today. Okay, 83377-CALL-Q. You call in with any question. There is nothing too big or small to talk about. We're here live for the next hour and 15 minutes. So get your questions in. We'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right, no subject is off the table today. I'm Allie, and I'm here with Dr. Jen Mann, author, amazing, like licensed psychotherapist, host of the VH1 Couples Therapy. That would be me. That would be you right over there. 833-77-CALL-Q. Give us a call. I'm here for your peeps. Yeah, you are. You're here for your peeps and my peeps, and together they are our peeps. What's that number again? 833-77-CALL-Q. I wanted to talk about your InStyle.com article because you put one out every Wednesday on InStyle.com, and this one is is actually relevant to our new producer, Jesse, because he's been thinking about moving in with his SO, otherwise known as Significant Other, and somebody recently wrote into you about this. Said, yes. Dear Dr. Jen, my partner and I have been together for almost a year now. All my friends keep asking when we're moving in together. But how do I know when our relationship is really ready for such a big step? Signed, conflicted about cohabitating. And I think that more and more couples, this is almost like an expected thing. It is. That like, Oh, you've been together for a couple years. Why aren't you moving in together? Yeah. Most people ask that over marriage because also a lot of the younger generation is not necessarily wanting to get married the more I, I talk to more and more people in their 20s who don't want to get married or if they do it's something that's kind of more of an like oh maybe one day eventually but people tend to be pretty clear that they want to live with their partner they want to kind of take the car for a test drive before they make a longer term commitment yeah they just and, want to make a lease agreement before a mar- exactly. signing a marriage certificate exactly. look hey my mother always said live with someone before you marry them well yeah because i i last night i actually had dinner with a a couple that they just got married and we went and went to their wedding in india last year and the the bride has a very traditional family so they didn't move in until the night of the wedding wow and it's just i mean it's such a foreign concept to us now here because people live together before they're married like that that's the norm it's weird here if you don't live with your partner when you get married. And now that they've done it and they're married, what do they think of that? Do they wish that they had time living together? Are they glad they did it that way? What's their perspective? I think they're glad they did it that way. I think it is exciting for them. I mean, they've been together for a long time, but it kind of put a new wave of excitement onto their relationship. That makes a lot of sense. Because they're like, ooh, now you know my stuff's in your place. And I'm sure there are some growing pains as far as, oh, you know, you put your toothbrush there. Are you sure? Um, But it seems to be, it, it kind of reignited this fire within them. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So... What do, what do, how do people know that they're actually ready, though, for this? Well, for the first thing, and this is so important, is that you know you've gotten past the honeymoon stage. At the beginning of the relationship, that first year to 18 months, you're in that phase of, oh, my God, you like pizza? I like pizza, too. I can't believe it. We found each other. We're so much like all you see is how you're alike. Uh. And it isn't until that honeymoon stage ends where you start to have these experiences where you see how you're different. And at the beginning, it oftentimes feels like a betrayal. And look, politics is what you, you voted for who? Right. I thought we were soulmates. No what idea. do you mean? Wait, hold on. You like black olives on your pizza? Now exactly. forget it. I, pineapple? <laughs> No way. Okay, no. Pineapple, yeah, you should break I up with them. <laughs> I thought I knew you. How could you betray me like this? <laughs> so 
so once you get past that and you realize, okay, we've come down to earth a little bit and we yes. still want to stand each other. And part of that is also having your first fight, seeing how you work through conflict, seeing kind of what the flow of the relationship is when it comes time to make even small decisions, much less big decisions. How you guys handle it and work through it as a couple is really important before you move in together. Now, the second one is you have both said I love you, which I know people throw that around left and right. So do you mean just like saying I love you and actually meaning it? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. But I, I, there are also a lot of people because of being hurt in the past, because of their childhood wounds, because of their breakup, their divorce, their whatever, they are freaked out about saying I love you. You'd be amazed at how many people do hold out on that because it's a big deal. I mean, look, the the all-time example of that was Juan Pablo on The Bachelor, who became the villain of the year when they were, it was time for, they were at the altar. He was there with Nikki, who was on my show, I think it was season four three season four and no five sorry and so so many seasons you're getting it mixed up but so he was villainized because he felt like i haven't known her long enough to say i love you i feel like it's a really big deal to say i love you he felt pressured by everyone around him including people making the show to say i love you but he felt like I need to know someone for a year. I need to go through all these different circumstances with them before I can say I love you. And he didn't say it. And it was a big deal. Well, I mean, that that's they're like, how dare you? You're in a reality show format and yeah. you're supposed to say this now. That's your line is I love you. But it did bring up this debate about when do you say I love you and what does it mean? But I think it's something that both people have to be on the same page before they take the big step of moving in together. You need to have that sort of of baseline of we both feel this way, our relationship and our love for one another and our feelings have reached this critical mass prior to moving in. Just quickly to go through the rest of them, uh, you, you're committed to each other, you spend the night together on a regular basis. Uh, for lesbians, I mean, check, check, check. That's yeah. easy. Uh, number five is you're, uh, you're integrated into one another's lives. Number six, you talk about a future together and are on the same page. Number seven, you are ready to share financial information. Ooh, that that's a biggie. And then finally, at number eight, you are mature enough to make a breakup plan. Ooh, yeah. There's a lot to say about that. Oof. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right. Allie Johnson and Dr. Jen Mann are here with you, and we are taking your calls. 833-77-CALL-Q. If you want a free book, hey, everyone looks loves free stuff, and this is actually going to help you. This isn't just like, you know, some puny tickets or a T-shirt. This is actually something that's going to make your life better. The Relationship Fix. I've got it in my bookshelf, and you can have it in yours. 833-77-CALL-Q. Give us a call anytime. We're here for another hour, so get in on this. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and get in on this. This is a total hypothetical situation, Dr. Jen. Of course it is. A friend. Say, yeah, this is just, I'm making this up off the cuff. Okay. Say you have a lovely wife, and her name is... Um, Teresa. (laughs) Matherin. Yeah. Okay? (laughs) And you're out with friends, and you're all drinking and having a good time, having dinner, and then all of a sudden, your Matherin does something that triggers you, and you feel a fight or an argument or just something brewing underneath. But you don't want to just start bickering or arguing in front of your longtime friends. What the hell does somebody in a hypothetical situation like that do? Because 
you've been together a long time in this hypothetical situation, and of course you're going to bicker from time to time, but you also don't want to make your friends uncomfortable by berating each other or criticizing each other in front of them. Of what does one do with Sally and Matherin? Yeah, well, you know, hypothetical situations like this mm-hmm. arise all the time. Okay. I have to say that, you know, you picked a great question to ask because I think a lot of people would identify with it. I'm sure you don't. No, no, yeah. And it's not it's me. It's never happened to personally, you. Personally, just But Sally it happens a lot with couples, especially long-term couples. And, and I think the number one key, and I think it's kind of becoming a little bit of a theme today, is knowing when you're triggered. Yeah. That kind of the awareness of, oh, no, I just got triggered is paramount. It is like the number one thing, because once you know that, you can distance yourself a little bit from it. Once you're able to say, "Okay, I'm hot right now. This is push my buttons. I am now not in the clearest state of mind, even though it feels like I am. And that that part of me that's ready for a fight is really pushing me forward. The best thing that you can possibly do is excuse yourself and go to the restroom. Okay, because I was going to say, do you just, the two of you, hey, why don't we just leave and duke it out for a second? Alone, alone. You leave, you say, excuse me, I need to use a restroom. You go, you calm yourself down. You do some deep breathing because one of the things that gets us riled up and fighting with one another, even in front of our dear friends, is that inability to put distance between our reaction and our words. So when you're excusing yourself to the bathroom, the whole point of it is to put some distance so that you can calm yourself down. You can take some deep breaths. You can remind yourself that you can still duke this out at home. Like this this issue, whatever it is, isn't going to go away. But there's a lot of value in being able to wait till you get home and saying to your partner, hey, when you said that thing at dinner, it really upset me or it really hurt my feelings because the most important thing is the relationship. More than the topic that came up that pushed your buttons is how do we communicate as a couple and how do we preserve our relationship and have difficult discussions and not annihilate each other, especially in front of other people? Right, because I don't want, I mean, Sally and Matherin, they don't want their friends to think of them negatively. (laughs) Of course. And other people will judge their relationship based on those little bickery moments rather than what the relationship really is. But even more important, because look, anyone who is friends with someone like, like Matherin and and Sally, would know they're a great couple. But what does happen is it makes people at the table uncomfortable. That they may go like, oh, yeah, we had the same argument last week, but why do they have to sit through your argument when they just want to have a relaxing dinner (laughs) with some friends? And then sometimes I think you don't even realize you're doing it, right? Like, for example... I will say this is me directly. This is Allie and Catherine. Yeah. But uh, when when we're driving, Katie has a tendency to backseat backseat drive or uh-huh. to be like, uh, what, oh, you're you're tailgating or you you don't don't go yes. around that person or whatever. And then I'll I'll push back and be like, you know what, I'm I'm driving. Let me drive. Yeah. And then there's somebody in the <laughs> there's like our friend in the back being like, Ooh. yeah. But I think they also think that we are fighting and we're yeah. not fighting. But I do think that in a situation like that. 
regardless of how you feel. And even though it's annoying when you're the driver, it's important to hear your partner saying, hey, I'm uncomfortable. So, yeah, it's all about the language. And it's and it's about it's also about the relationship again. Right. That like if your partner feels uncomfortable, you you love Matherin. I do. I do love (laughs) Matherin. And you don't want Matherin to be uncomfortable. (laughs) I don't. And to feel unsafe in a car with you. You want her to feel safe at all times. Okay. So so you're saying I should slow down. (laughs) That you can say, look, or you can say, look, I know my driving makes you uncomfortable. Why don't you drive today? Yeah. That's, yeah. Matherin can drive occasionally. That's something that can change. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that... um, the, what we're trying to work on is to use different language to be like to have her be like, I feel unsafe right now, yeah. and I have to like let that sink in yeah. and be like, okay, great. Yeah. And and also we tend to, we have very big egos. We all do, and mm-hmm. it's like I'm driving. Look, it happened to me too. I'm driving, and you know this is how I like, want to drive. Hey, you're you're you know you're. I don't like how you went over that speed bump. <laughs> You know, hey, on the next one, could you could you slow it down a little? Like you jolted my neck. Is this about I'm like I'm a great driver? <laughs> Is this about men yeah. and lyrics? Yeah, but but instead, exactly. <laughs> but instead, I have to be like, okay, I want you comfortable in my car. I'll slow down a bit. Ah, <sighs> yeah, cars yeah. are definitely a trigger. Yeah. Um, all right. Is group therapy ever effective? Is it more effective than individual therapy? What are the circumstances around that? We're going to talk about that next, and also. Call us anytime. We're here for you. 833-77-CALL-Q. If you want a free book, call right Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right. Drop the subject with Allie Johnson and Dr. Jen Mann, a licensed psychotherapist and host of Couples Therapy with uh, Dr. Jen Mann and Family Therapy. And VH1 Family Therapy with Dr. Jen. Family Therapy with Dr. Jen. Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen. But I cover all the therapies. You I do. Mean, you know, I mean, there I do are a sex lot therapy, of therapies. I do work therapy. I do sibling therapy. I do employer therapy. Mm-hmm. I do relationship therapy. You well, name it, I therapy it. You do. <laughs> you therapy it all. You're, th- I you're do. a super therapy woman. <laughs> What do you think about group therapy? Now, this is something that I, I've done a couple of group therapy sessions, and I kind of got the vibe that you get what you you get out of it whatever you put into it but do you are there what are the circumstances where you would recommend group therapy to somebody and why would that be it's a it's a great question and i think that group therapy tends to be as good as the therapist okay and 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 when i say that that also extends to that they screen for appropriate group members as well cuz one bad group member can taint it for everyone yes. and one great group member can completely make it the most amazing experience for everyone. So I'd say that first. It's particularly great. One of the things that I love about group therapy is that you get honest feedback from people who don't have skin in the game. They're not people who are in your life. They're not invested whether you stay or leave your partner. They're not invested whether you go to that party or not. Like, And they're people who are going to give you, if the group is run well, an objective view outside of how you function in the world. So it's great information. Mm. And it also allows people to kind of build up their, kind of thicken their skin when it comes to getting feedback that isn't always easy to hear. Yeah, I guess that I, when I did it, I only did it once and it was something that my doctor recommended because I was having panic attacks. And then I went to a group therapy session and nobody was talking 
And Ooh. it was very much like a curriculum, like, all right, now write down what makes you anxious. And I was like, this sucks. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good group <laughs> therapy. And I, like, it so the fact like, that you're talking about like people sharing, I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, Is that no, how it's supposed to go? What, yeah, no, it, that sounds like it was a terrible group therapy. It, was, it sounds like it was like the anti-group therapy therapy experience. It was like a class. Yeah, no, it, that's not group therapy. What okay. group therapy is supposed to be is you're in a room with people and the, someone is talking sometimes there are themes. Like today we're going to talk about self-esteem or we're going to talk about childhood trauma. Or sometimes it's just people come and they sit down and start talking about their day or that you, know, you go in a circle and people check in. But what the great value of group therapy is you share your experience and then someone in the group is able to say like, hey, you know what? I've noticed that sometimes when you come to our group, you are really short with us and, and we feel like you're you right. know mad at us. So I wonder if maybe your mom reacted to you that way because maybe she has the same experience with you that we do with you. Then how do you moderate if you are a therapist running a group therapy session? How do you kind of monitor when somebody talks not out of turn but says something that leads somebody in the wrong direction or maybe gives bad advice well i mean you're trained to do that the 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 issue becomes when you have someone in the group who's crossed the line where they are disrupting the group or where their feedback whether it's accurate or not is in such a it's so negative that it makes people not want to go to the group but again everything in in group therapy is what we call in in the therapy world as we're trained grist for the mill that if something happens there we can utilize it to help people grow and and Therapy occurs, whether it's group or individual, everything you do in therapy is a microcosm of how you function in the world. Hmm. So if out there in the world, let's say you're being perceived as being abrasive, you're going to do it in the room eventually. And it's a great opportunity, whether it's individual, for the therapist to say like, hey, I'm wondering if you're doing this outside in the world. And I I have a great story about that that I'm going to tell you after the break. Oh, or in a group therapy situation where other people are able to give you that feedback that people mm. in your life are unlikely to give you. But I have a crazy story. Uh, when I was a young therapist, <gasps> something shocking. Young Dr. Jen? A shocking thing that a client said to me as soon as he walked into the room for a session and how I responded to okay, it. Well, I'm going to share it with well, you. Okay, we're going to get into that story next. And also, give us a call, 833-77-CALL-Q. If you want free advice from somebody with decades of experience, way more experience than I have with anything, uh, we're going to get into the story In other words, next. I'm old and experienced, <laughs> but I'm here for you, so yeah. call me. Yes, call 833-77-CALL-Q. <laughs> we'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Oh, swapping therapy horror stories with each other here and you've blown my mind you've totally <laughs> blown my mind like you know they're good therapists out there they're bad therapists and everything mm. in between but when i hear a story about a truly bad therapist <laughs> right. it shakes me to my core <laughs> yeah i uh, i was scarred by the this is i dropped the subject by the way with ali and uh licensed psychotherapist dr jen man who's answering your calls all show long eight three three seven seven call q if you want some good therapy and some free advice. I'm here. Uh, I was telling a horror story about uh, my therapist who farted in the middle of the session while I was explaining my 
deepest, darkest secrets. It, and, and, she and, leaned over and let her rip. And when you demonstrated the lean, it showed how intentional it was. It wasn't like, oops, it slipped out. No, Not it that was... that's okay, but like she leaned into it. That's horrifying. It's it horrifying. Yeah. There are good therapists out there, everyone. I got a bad one. I got a lemon. Yeah, there are a lot of good ones. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of good ones. So let's talk about... Um, what happened with you? What somebody said when you you were a young therapist? Yes. Do you have a story? I, I was an intern, and I had a male client who was on the difficult side, and he came in one day, and he walked in and took one look at me and said, "Wow, you put on a few pounds." <gasps> what? Oh yeah. Wait, the, and you'd how long it had been since you seen him? Like, had it been a while before you'd seen no, each like a week? I don't know, two <laughs> weeks? I, I guess it was an unflattering suit. I don't know. Oh, my God. But, um, but what we're trained to do, and I did, I'm proud to say, is I took Slap a breath. Them. Oh. No, I took a breath, and I thought to myself, if he does this with me, like I mentioned to you before the break, therapy is a microcosm of how people function in the world. And one of the issues of this person was they didn't have a strong support system. They they didn't have a lot of male friends. They were having trouble dating women. And so I said to him, wow, you know, I wonder what you were hoping that I would feel when you said that to me. What did he say to that? He, it All of a sudden it hit him, like what he had done. And I said to him, I wonder if you're doing that outside here in the real world. And that's pushing people away. <laughs> and it ended up opening up a really great, effective session where he was able to be self-reflective wow. and able to kind of realize how he pushes people away. Well, I'm amazed that you were able to turn that around because I would just go, oh, oh. Why don't we sit down? Hold on, let me lean over. Yeah. <laughs> so what? Yeah. But what happens when you have a patient that you literally don't like? If you really don't like them and feel like you can't find anything redeeming about them, you have to refer them out because really? you can't be effective. But then how do you but, how do you refer them but, out without but, being? But like... I do think with most people, there's something redeeming. Like even with this particular client, it there he was so wounded in so many ways that I was able to connect with the pain of his wound, even though he would say these abrasive, offensive things, because. It didn't come from, I don't think he was an inherently bad guy. I think he had just been wounded so much in his childhood and been spoken to in such negative ways right. that that it translated. And I had to teach him that like the way you were talked to isn't the way you talk to people if you want to form connections and have support and have people in your life who love you and want to be close to you. Well, I mean, it takes a lot of confidence and stability on your part to be able to step back and recognize the bigger issue because 100%. you have you have been completely insulted by somebody yes. and somebody has poked and prodded at something that uh, maybe you like maybe you felt self-conscious about in the first place or I don't know of course and then to have that completely brought to light and then to be the before a session too, not even on the way out. And then to have to spend another 50 minutes with that person yeah. with that in the back of your mind. How do you just put but all that to the side? To me, it's delicious. It's, it's, it's like a fun part of the job to be able to have the self-awareness to pull myself out of it and go, wow, what is it about this person? How they function in the world to me is fascinating. Right. 
Huh. Like it to me, it I'm only the vehicle. Like I'm unimportant in that. What matters is how they relate to me. I once had a client before people had cell phones, but this person had a cell phone, and he came in because he was um, he was having trouble dating, and he couldn't meet a woman that he really connected with and and date her, and he had a scar that he was fixated on that he thought that was a reason, and literally we're in session, and all of a sudden he picks up his phone places a bet, and then goes back to the session. What? Uh-huh. So he, you... And it was his his career. He was a career gambler. That's how he made his living. And I was able to say, like, if you do that here, you probably do that out there, and that's not going to fly well on a date. I mean, I guess not, unless somebody, some girl would be like, ooh, that's so sexy that yeah. you're that you're putting that, out a bet. And that you're ignoring me to earn some money. Wow. I mean, yeah. but to be one of the first people that has a cell phone, oh, yeah. you've got a lot working in your favor, right? Yeah. But then to pick it up and use it to place a bet yeah. probably doesn't help with a relationship. That's unbelievable. But I want to know how people are functioning their lives. And yes. They want advice. That's true. Call us. For sure. We're here just uh, probably another 15 minutes, so you got to get on on this. We have a free book sitting right next to Dr. Jen, and it has your name on it. She'll even sign it for you. Absolutely. 833-77-CALL-Q. That is 833-77-CALL-Q. Free advice. Call Any right topic. now. Yes. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right. Drop the subject with Allie and Dr. Jen Mann, licensed psychotherapist, author of The Relationship Fix. And we have a free book to give away before the show's end. And we have Bear from Houston on the line. Bear, what's up? Great name. Howdy, y'all. I'm at hey. the I'm driving into the rodeo right now. What's going on? Hey, well, it's good to hear your voice. Would love to help you out. Tell me what's what's happening in your life. So, uh, just turning 37 years old, yippee, uh, single, and, you know, it's, uh, thinking, yeah, it's the time of my life to meet new people, go bar hopping, club hopping. But then you find out, are people really being transparent and looking not through me, but actually wanting to be just a friend companion? And then the, the ones I have, uh, Dr. Jen, turned into... Oh, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. But then I'm going, are you giving me sympathy or do you know the difference between sympathy and empathy? Like, it, do you actually know what it, I'm going through? You just want to talk me what, about it or you actually know what I'm going tell through? Tell me more about what you're going through. Well, like, for example, I actually uh, turned down a full-time position, the white picket fence house and everything, job and everything that I was looking for when I turned 18 years old and... Everything would have been perfect, but then when I got into that opportunity, I'm going, this is not what I want to do, and then it's not what I need to do. I know the difference between my needs and wants. Okay, but what is the the crisis that you're going through? Was it turning down that job that you're turning to your friends and you feel like you're not getting a lot of empathy where they're kind of like, oh, it will get better? No, just like uh, the motions between it, not just the job, but also like, you know, the decisions I make, like, you know, I went to go see uh, maybe uh, one of your pupils slash mentors, Tony Robbins, and he actually said, think like outside the box. Stop thinking in the box and being stuck in a claustrophobic environment. Think like a circle. Try new foods, new environments, and that's what I do. Like right now, I don't know about the rodeo, but I'll get into it. I live in the fourth largest city. There's got to be someone I want to meet or new people that I want to do. Hey, it's Thursday night. It's 7 o'clock. we got to watch TV. No, there's other stuff to do. And my friends are, and family are just 
doing the same things over and over again. I'm like, well, Bear, I, I, I think it's great that you're going out and you're having all these new experiences. And it sounds like you're really looking to improve and increase your support system. And part of what one has to do when they are looking to improve their support system is screen people. And it sounds like what you're encountering is people who aren't your people. And let's say it takes a hundred meeting a hundred people to find one person that you feel like, wow, this is someone who has is empathetic, who gets me, who's going to be a good friend. I can be a good friend to them. I think that what you have to do is think of this as a numbers game. And I think that when you say, and I don't know if you're actually saying this to people, but uh, you know, when they're talking to you and you said something like, oh, do you even know the difference between sympathy and empathy? If you're saying that to people, it's probably going to push them away. It's kind of like what we were talking about before, right? before the break of like how you communicate with people. If you're able to say like, hey, you know what? I know you're really trying to help me and you're trying to support me, but it kind of feels like you're blowing me off when you say that. I really need some empathy because I'm really struggling with this. We have to teach people how to treat us. And when you don't say to someone, hey, here's what I'm looking for. I'm really needing some support. I'm really needing some empathy. You're unlikely to get it, especially from someone who doesn't know you well and know what it takes to support you. But I think that it's fantastic that you're going out and trying all these new things and that you're really being so proactive about improving your life and improving your support system. I think that that's really commendable. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And and also something that changes as you age, right? You have your group of friends and there are a lot of friends that you end up kind of parting ways with, not because they're bad friends or you're a bad friend. It's just literally you like doing different things. And once you get a little older, you kind of realize, well, this is my lane and maybe that's your lane. And to meet, but to meet new friends in your 30s, like, you know, Bear's 30, 37 37 years old and trying to meet new friends. And that can actually be kind of scary. Absolutely. It's, it's, It's easier to make friends when like you're in college, you're in high school, there's, there's kind of, you're around all these people, but it sounds like he's going through a lot of changes in his life. And I think it's great that that he's doing that. Also, the friends you pick in your 20s who maybe you want to go out clubbing with, you're like, oh, we like the same music. We like the same drinks. We watch the same shows. May not be your friends when you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, because what you're looking for and who you are shifts over time and what you value. Mm -hmm. Well, Bear, if you meet a nice rodeo clown, I would definitely befriend them because that's never a bad decision. And I will give you a book in case that... (gasps) rodeo clown relationship <laughs> works Buds. out then i can i can help you so i would love to give you a copy of the relationship fix and and hopefully you will be able to also use some of the tips in the relationship fix even if it's not a romantic relationship i think that you will really benefit from some of the the tips and the tools in the book thanks for calling bear that sounds great thank you awesome thanks so much Wow. Well, as always, I learn a lot from you, Dr. Jen. And I always have so much fun with you, Allie. I know. Same. Uh, If you missed anything, definitely check out the podcast. It is uh, downloadable on radio.com. If you don't have the app, download it. And uh, we will always tweet out the link to today's podcast at DTS Show on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow Dr. Jen at Dr. Jen Man. Two ends on Jen, two ends on Man on Twitter and on that. Instagram. I'm getting better at this. Oh, so good. 
And you can pick up her book, The Relationship Fix, um, on Amazon and whenever, wherever you buy books, correct? Exactly. Great. Thank you, and I'll see you very soon, I'm sure. I hope so. And everyone else, have a great weekend. We've got DJ Alex D up next with some music mix and, uh, mixes, so stay tuned for that. And we'll see you next week. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.